The Bible says we have a great cloud of witnesses. Part of the reason why I wanted to preach with Billy Graham this weekend, my father, Oral Roberts, is because I want you to know there's a great cloud of witnesses that's cheering us on in heaven. And they're saying, don't quit, Paul. Don't give up praying. Don't give up sowing. Don't give up believing. Don't give up worshiping. Don't give up loving. Don't give up showing up. And if you'll choose not to give up, I promise you, you can go further than you realize. Habakkuk said, Lord, please tell me what you're doing. And God said, no, I'm not going to tell you, Habakkuk, because if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. If God today told us what he's doing in the world, we wouldn't believe it. Don't you think God's given up and God's abdicated and God's left the throne? He hasn't. He's still on the throne. And those of us that know him put our trust in him and him alone. I don't put my trust in Washington. I don't put my trust in the United Nations. I don't put my trust in myself. I don't put trust in my money. I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When all the rest of it fails and crumbles and shatters, he'll be there. I want to preach a message called Don't Give Up. In Galatians chapter 6, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. And uh, as you're turning there, I want you to think about these three words. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just say it out with me. Don't give up. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, do not grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up in doing the thing God's called you to do. For in due time, we will reap a harvest. Watch what he says at the end of verse 9. If we don't give up. That's Galatians 6 verse 9. And you know, I think about how in my life there's been many times where I've wanted to quit. I've just wanted to throw in the towel. I've wanted to be done. Whether it was when I was playing sports as a kid or whether it was even going on hikes with my family, I would just get tired and I'd say, I am done. I don't want to go any further. I used to run cross country and there would be times where my coach would say, we're going for a six mile run. And I'd say, no, I will go for a three mile run. You guys keep going. I'm done. And I don't know if, if you're like me, but there's times where we just want to quit. We just want to be done. We don't feel like we can go any further, either because our body feels tired, most often because our mind and our emotions get the best of us. And we think, I can't go any further. And it's not even that our body can't handle it. It's that our mind has accepted a limit for our life. This is as much as I can bear. I think about times where I've sat with different people and counseled people who've quit on their marriage who've quit on relationships, who've quit jobs, who've quit callings, quit on their dreams, given up. And I think right now in the midst of this virus and COVID-19, there is this spirit of hopelessness that's trying to spread across the world, just trying to get people to give up. In fact, I was reading a report this last week that in China, the divorce rates have spiked, quadrupled right after the crisis. Like, so as they began to de-escalate after the social distancing, all of a sudden the divorce rates just started spiking in China. And I saw someone say during the midst of this crisis, there's a lot of people giving up, giving up on marriage, giving up on their dreams, giving up on a lot of things, giving up on their calling. And I want to preach to that spirit this morning because I believe that we have a greater spirit inside of us than the spirit that's in the world. Yes, COVID-19 is real. 
I'm not a conspiracy theorist who doesn't believe in the virus. I know it's real. I know it's out there. But I am a pastor whose faith is more in the word of God than it is in the virus or the crisis or CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. My hope is not in some government or laws that are being passed. My hope is in the word of God and in the name of Jesus Christ. So when people are like, how can you still do drive-in services? How can you still do these online live services? Don't you know churches are shutting down? They're closing. You should close. You should shut down. Shouldn't you stop your feeding program? Shouldn't you close the doors of the Dream Center? And here's what I keep saying. Why would the church close when the church was always called to be a hospital for the hurting? Why would the Dream Center close? This is an hour for the church, the Dream Center, to shine with hope and life and light. Whether the news talks about it or not, there's thousands of people that need help and hope right now, and we're going to give it. We're not quitting. And I've decided in my heart, I'm not giving up. I think about the, the line from Winston Churchill during a time when Hitler was just taking over all over Eastern Europe and was coming at the doors of Great Britain and Winston Churchill was the prime minister and people say that Winston Churchill was an interesting character to be around, that he would fluctuate sometimes in his personality and, and, and yet at the same time, this was a man who held on to a deep conviction that we will never, never, never give up. And he would get on the radio airwaves and just begin to talk. And he'd say, we're going to the beaches and we're going to the streets and we will never give up. We will never give up. And because of his resolve to never give up, they did not fold under Hitler's regime. And because America woke up during Pearl Harbor, after they had been attacked and said, we're getting involved in this fight and we are not quitting until we drive this nasty genocidal leader out of his command from taking over the world. And when America woke up, one thing that happened during that time when the bombs were dropped over Pearl Harbor, the, the enemy said, I fear all we have done is awaken the sleeping giant. And I sense right now that the world is waking up. The church is waking up. The sleeping giant, the church is waking up for such a time as this. And it's time for you and I at our houses to, to choose that we're not going to give up. Now, I want to tag team preach this message. My dad preached a great word um, literally probably 12, 13 years ago that we have right when this building was opened up. So you're gonna see the very first in 2007 when this building was opened up, this was one of his first sermons here in this new auditorium. And it was a message called Don't Give Up. And so I wanna tag team preach that with him today. I'm gonna pull it up on the screen. I believe it's gonna work. Here we go. Check it out. Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 27. Yay. The word of the Lord is don't give up. Let's say it. Don't, don't give, give up. up. Acts 27, 10. He said, men, I perceive this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. So Paul had revelation. This is going to be a dangerous trip. We could lose our lives in it. And he warned them not to go. But in the natural, everything looked good. So Paul is telling a bad picture as a warning not to go, but in the natural, everything looked good, and so they took off. Let's read it, verse 13. When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, they put out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. So here, the captain of the ship, the Roman centurion that was in charge of it, they decided to launch. But not, not long after, a tempestuous 
headwind arose called Eurocladon. Now, we would think of this more as a hurricane, a tsunami, a giant wind, storm, major storm hit the Mediterranean. And when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. Running under the shelter of an island called Clotta, we secured the skiff. That's a little boat attached to it with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship and fearing lest they should run aground on the Surtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship, so they threw off part of their cargo. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Well, that's your ropes and your sails, what you're going to guide the ship with. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. They'd thrown over the instruments to use to sail, tackle, all the ropes, all the sails. No small tempest was upon them, which means there was a giant storm pouring upon that ship and they were caught in the middle of it. You know, here where we live in Oklahoma, storms come through and they pass over. Maybe an hour, maybe a day, maybe uh, half a day. But when you're in a ship in the sea, as they were, with no motor, no propeller, they're caught and they're going with the storm. As the storm moves, they're in the middle of it. And all hope they should be saved was gone. Now, we know this came from the words of Paul, he saw it, he understood it, that in the natural, there was no way to survive. Now, what is this picture? There are some of you and some of the people that you know that are in situations where all hope is gone. There's no way for the marriage to survive. There's no way for your son to come off drugs or out of homosexuality. There's no way for a pardon from prison, one of your family members. There's no way for the darkness to end of torment in your mind. There's no way for you to pay all the bills that you're facing. All hope is gone. And I've got a word for you. Don't give up. Don't give come up. On. This is exactly where Paul was. The Bible is very relevant to where we live today that other people have been there in difficult circumstances. And as you hear this, hope is going to arise inside of you. That there's a way to get through your storms if you do not give up. I want to talk about that just for a moment. And there is a way for us to get through whatever storm we're facing. I think the enemy always whispers this lie that you can't get through this. There's no way to get through this. And I want to encourage you right now that even in the midst of whatever it is that's trying to kill that thing that the enemy wants to destroy, whether it's a relationship, a calling, a dream, or even your own life. You know, there was a moment in my life where I wanted to throw in the towel when my father passed away, the depression, the anxiety, the uncertainty, the fear about the future. And in that moment, I remember just feeling all of these attacks in my mind, the battles between the ears. The battle to not give up has to be won in here before you can win it out here. You know, you, you, uh, oftentimes the Bible refers to our thoughts 
driving our behavior. As a man thinketh in his mind, in his heart, so he lives. So if you think small, you live small. If you think in poverty, you begin to live in poverty. If you think in defeat, you begin to walk in defeat. So if you settle in your mind, I'm giving up. I can't get through this. I'm done. I've had enough. They're driving me crazy. I can't get past this. Once you accept those thoughts in your mind, you begin to act out the behavior of the thoughts you accept. So if you're going to change your behavior and save a relationship or save a dream or save a calling, you've got to get settled in your mind. I refuse to give up. I refuse to quit. I choose to stick to this. I choose to give it all I got. And you might say, well, why, Paul? Why should I push through something? Why, what, like what's on the other side of me not giving up? Wouldn't it be easier if I just gave up? Wouldn't I, couldn't I just have, couldn't I just put myself out of this misery and just be done? On the other side of not giving up, not only is a better life for you, but it's an obedient step towards God. And it's the results of harvest. There's people's lives on the other side of your choice to not give up. There's people that will be impacted and influenced that we're seeing today in our church and worldwide because when I wanted to give up, the night that I was feeling so depressed, so discouraged, standing on a bridge, that night, if I would have thrown everything away, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I wouldn't have been talking to Fox News the other day. I wouldn't have been able to help our, our church through a lot of things that God's been able to do. On the other side of your choice to not give up, God has so much more. And once you settle it on the inside, you begin to live it on the outside. Let's see what else he says here. That God has an answer, and his name is Jesus. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. So in the middle of that storm, verse 22, now I urge you, take heart. There will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. You're going to live and not die at this time in your life. Come on. For there stood by me this night. This is verse 23 in Acts 27. The apostle Paul talking. There stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. He was saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men. I believe God. It will be just as it was told me. Say it. I believe God. I believe God. It's going to be just like God said it. It's going to be just like God said it. Now, there are three key things in this about Paul's life. Number one, he belonged to God. Number two, he served God. And number three, he believed what God said would come to pass. I want to ask you those three questions. Do you belong to God? Do you serve God? Do you know that what God says is going to come to pass in spite of all the obstacles around you? Yes. Why did God come? Why didn't he come to those others? There's 276 people on board this ship. God comes for those who belong to him. God comes for those who serve him. And God comes to those who believe in him. Come on. It's vital that you belong to the Lord, that you choose to serve him, and you make up your mind you're going to believe him regardless of how negative the circumstances or opinions of other people may That's be. That's right. Diagnosis or reports, newscast, yes. whatever, you're going to say, I believe God. It's going to be just like God spoke it. Come on. He decreed and declared it. You must believe, decree, 
and declare what God has spoken to you. It's not only for you, but for those who sail with you. I've taken this for years. Those who sail with us, God's given them to us. We're going to be together in heaven. Come on, Jesus. I like that. Come on. You want to sail with me? <laughs> hey, you're going to make it. You're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. This will pass. Don't make a permanent decision during a temporary storm. The storm is temporary. This will pass. I love the verse in the Bible that just appears all through the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. It came to pass. It came to pass. It came to pass. It didn't come to stay. This pain didn't come to stay. This virus didn't come to stay. This last week, I was looking at news articles from viruses over the last 100 years, and every virus that came didn't last. Like historically speaking, not even speaking from an optimistic, hope-filled standpoint, I, it, but I am a hope-filled person, and I, not just optimism, I believe that God's word is true, his power is true, his protection provision is true. But even looking at scientific historical facts, every virus that came, came to pass. It didn't come to stay. And they found vaccines and we got through it and you're going to get through it and you're going to come out on the other side of this stronger. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't let the virus spread a contagion of hopelessness in your house. Don't let it take over your thoughts. Don't let it take over your heart. Don't let the anxiety and the uncertainty and the fear of how long is this going to last begin to weigh you down. And I'm right there with you. I literally have to battle the same thoughts and feelings as you. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't have moments where I'm like, ah, <laughs> this past week with all four kids in the house, Ashley went to run some errands for about five hours and, uh, and she deserved it. Cause she's always, by the way, the heroes that watch kids at home every day, all day, we love you. We celebrate you working moms at home, taking care of kids. I'm serious. Y'all's, y'all's job is harder than the, the, the other people who go and work eight hours at their company. But, um, I was at the house with all four kids. It was getting a little overwhelming and you know, all the moms out there are like, just stop it. Stop talking. All right. I get it. All right, I get it. But in that moment, Ashley comes home and I had to really just, you know, I said, babe, I really respect you. I honor what you do for our four kids. This was really intense. And she was like, that's good for you. That's good. You know that later on that night after, you know, just a long day of working and taking phone calls and meetings and the kids and just the whole, uh, just the 16 hour long day, I'm sitting in my bed and I'm thinking about tomorrow and I'm pinching myself. Like, is this a dream? When am I going to wake up? When, when is our world like, is this literally happening? Is this really happening? I'm seriously asking that. Is this, are we in a dream right now? And I have to remember, I can't handle tomorrow. All I can handle is today. I started thinking about six months from now, started thinking, and God said, stop thinking about six months from now. I started thinking about six weeks from now. And God said, stop trying to figure out six weeks from now, because six weeks ago, you never would have thought that we would be going through this right now. You can't handle six weeks from now. You can't handle four weeks from now. All you can handle is the grace God gives you for every day. And his mercies are new for you this day. You don't have to figure out 48 hours from now. You just have to live today. One day at a time, choose hope. One day at a time, choose faith. One day at a time, breathe. Just do it. Do it. Take a deep breath in your house. And just say this with me. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. You should claim that for your family, your loved ones. 
Paul heard from the Lord. You must hear from God. We serve a talking God. He hasn't lost his voice. He's still speaking. And when you're in trouble, who do you go to? Your counselors, your friends, everybody else. Paul was in a quiet place, secret place, down somewhere under the deck of that ship. But after a long time, he came out, he had heard from God. It's important when you're in trouble that you hear what God is saying. Amen. God was saying, don't you give up, Paul, and tell these yes. people not to give up. Their life is going to be spared. There's going to be the loss of the ship, but everyone is going to survive this crash. In that moment, the tide turned. The centurion, the captain believed. A few men didn't. They tried to get on the little boat. And as they did, the captain said, no, you can't do it. They cut it loose and said, Paul told us we've got to stay on board this ship, which meant they believed too. The ship crashed on the rocks on an island called Malta. And they began to make their way on boards and anything that would float to the shore. Let's pick it up. Acts 28 verse 1. Now when they had escaped, they then found out the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. How many of you know it's a bad day when you have a shipwreck and a snake bite at the same time? <laughs> now hear this. Paul's situation was because of somebody else's mistake. You may be in trouble because your parents, your family member, the government, some church leader, some friends, some company, some corporation, some situation happened that was nothing of your fault or your, you to blame on. And you're sitting here and saying, how can I ever get through this? First thing you're going to have to do is do what Paul did. Let's look at it in the next verse. But he shook off the snake into the fire and suffered no harm. Tell your neighbor, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake no it off. No matter how bad your day, or in this case, two weeks, 14 days in the middle of a storm. Not an overnight deal. And then snake bit. <laughs> when you're dripping wet with water, freezing cold, in the middle of a strange island. But something happened on that island. The chief magistrate, we'd call him the chief, came, Publius, and befriended Paul. Paul found out his father, the father Publius, was sick. He prayed for him, and God healed him. And then all the islanders began to come for healing, and there was an island-wide revival on Malta. Come on. Yeah, can we celebrate that? God can turn... A disaster into a revival. Yes. When you say it again with me, shake it off. Shake it off. Uh, there was a, a young man that spoke, and I'm going to try to say his name, Nick Ujicic. And 26 years old, with no arms, no legs. In the last year, he's had 240 speaking engagements around the world. 
In Beijing, China, he's been in one of the major stadiums. In Hong Kong, packed out an arena there. Invited into Saudi Arabia, has preached all across Egypt. It is an amazing thing that God is doing with this young man. He's got a great sense of humor about his situation, but he told about how it was the life-transforming work of Jesus Christ as he heard someone share that caused him to quit thinking about why don't I have arms and legs? I want to just talk for a moment about Nick. And if you've never heard about Nick, his story is just amazing. No arms, no legs. He's standing here, not standing, he's wobbling on top of a desk speaking to thousands of teenagers. And he was born without arms and legs. And at first, as a kid, he cried thinking, all my friends have arms, have legs. All my friends can run. They can pick things up. They have things that I don't have. And as a kid, he dealt with depression. He dealt with just suicidal thoughts at a very early age. He just felt so hopeless with his life. But as my dad was talking, sharing this story, Nick made a decision as a young boy that he was going to put his, his life in God's hands. And he was going to believe that God could take what the enemy meant for harm and use it for good. Nick went on to become, still to this day, uh, a world-renowned, uh, incredible, inspirational speaker, speaking to millions of people all over the world, telling them about the hope that he has in Jesus, all because he chose not to let his limitations limit his destiny. You don't have to have all the things that everyone else has in order to make an impact. You might be in a wheelchair. You may not have an arm. You may not have legs. You may not have the money you had last month, but you can still choose today. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not letting my circumstances limit my impact. I'm choosing today to rise above the limitations that are all around me. Now watch what happens next. Why am I not like everybody else? And begin to think about, I'm going to help other people get the miracles they need. He began to think about giving his story and telling how, if I can do it, certainly you can do whatever God's called you to do. And as you're watching thousands of teenagers there seeing this, you realize something is happening as they're wa watching Nick tell his story. He told a funny story about being in a car one time and. Another car pulled up beside him. There's a pretty girl in there and looked at him and he thought he'd do something funny. He kind of did a thing with his teeth to get his seatbelt loosed. And, you know, all she could see was from here up, just his face. So he's sitting there in the seat and he completely turns all the way around. <laughs> and then several times he acted like he was going to jump off the table he was on and all the teenagers are going, ooh, you know. But, uh, you know, he said he couldn't break his arm anyway. <laughs> I'm just telling you, he's got a wonderful sense of humor about a very difficult situation. But he decided rather than to live in that sense of regret and remorse and hurt and pain, he decided to go on with what God had called him to do. You know, I think about a quote that my dad has notoriously said in the past before he passed away. If you don't get bitter, you'll make it. If you don't get bitter, you'll make it. Terry Henshaw, who works here with us and has helped us now feed thousands of people. In fact, this last week, Terry and I, we were talking together on a business leaders podcast, and we've been able to help 
um, hundreds of nurses and doctors bringing meals to them during this COVID-19 time in our city. A thousand meals a night are being served for the next 14 nights through you, Victory Church. Come on, give yourselves a hand. And these nurses and doctors are so thankful. But Terry was telling me, he said, Paul, I go back to a quote your dad told me when I was working for your father. And I asked your father, what's the most important advice you would give to anyone who wants to go into ministry? And he had his notepad and his pen out. And my dad said, one thing, if you don't get bitter, you'll make it. If you don't get bitter, you'll make it. And Terry wrote it down. He said, all right, what's next? He said, that's it. If you don't get bitter, you'll make it. You can either get bitter or you can get better. No matter what life serves, no matter what happens in your life, just as my dad is talking right now about Nick Vujicic, that there's always going to be an opportunity to get bitter, bitter at an organization, bitter at the government, bitter at the president, bitter at your parents, bitter at your children, bitter at your spouse, bitter at the church, bitter at someone, something. But bitterness doesn't do anything for our life. It actually makes us even more vulnerable and susceptible to sickness and disease. Bitterness is a cancer that kills you from the inside out. The only choice we have as believers is to get better instead of getting bitter. Watch what happens next. I want to tell you, if he didn't give up, don't you give up either. You say, I didn't have this and I didn't get this and this happened to me and this has taken place. Okay, we understand that. But don't give up. Don't let that be an excuse for you to quit. We don't deny that those things didn't happen. He didn't deny that that didn't happen, but he said God could still use me in his plans and purposes. Yes. You know, there was a powerful movie made called Facing the Giants. Sherwood Baptist Church in Georgia made a wonderful movie telling a powerful story. And in one part of it is the coach is with his players. One of the players very negative about an upcoming game. And in a sense, it felt like they were already going to lose. And the coach knew he had to deal with this leader and speak to him about not giving up. And I want you to think about this. Your heavenly coach is speaking to you. Don't give up. Don't quit. When you're hurting, when you're in pain, when you want to let go and just say, it's been so long and I'm tired and I'm worn out. I'm tired of standing for this marriage, tired of standing for this son to come off of alcohol or drugs. I'm tired of praying. Listen, don't give up. Don't quit. Someone did not give up on you. Yes. And it's important when you're tired and you're weary that you don't give in to what you're thinking is saying, what you're feeling in your body, the pain inside of you. And you say, well, this happened and that happened. You feel like there's a huge load on your back that's getting heavier and heavier. Jesus is going to give you grace to carry it through. Let's see this. That's not even funny, dude. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. 50. I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You're going to give me your best. I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? 
Because I don't want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. Good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. That's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just rest in a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm strength. And you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going. You hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. And let it burn. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit. No. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Brock Kelly, you don't quit. Keep going! Go, Brock Kelly! You don't quit on me! No! You keep going! You keep going! Go, Brock! Ten more steps! Ten more! Ten more! Ten more! Keep going! Don't quit! Give me your heart! You can! You can! Five more! Five more! Come on, Brock! Come on! Don't quit! Don't quit! Come on, Brock! Two more! One more! Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Brock, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. 
God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Kurt, can I count on you? Yes. Kurt? What is it, Jerry? I want to win six days. What a powerful, powerful clip. You know, I think about in my own life, there was times when I played football, basketball, even when my father passed, where I felt like giving up, just felt like quitting. And maybe you're like him. You need to be reminded that you are much more capable than you realize. With Christ, you can get through this. I love that he put the blindfold on him because he wanted him to know you have created your own finish line. And I want you to erase that finish line. You've told yourself, I can't get past the 20. I can't get past the 50. That young man went a hundred yards carrying 160 pounds on his back, thinking that he would never be able to even do 20 yards. You're able to do a whole lot more than you realize when you start realizing you have a coach in your corner who wants to help you, who's saying, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up, don't quit. Can I tell you, we have a coach in heaven who's cheering us on. The Bible says we have a great cloud of witnesses. Part of the reason why I wanted to preach with Billy Graham this weekend, my father, Oral Roberts, is because I want you to know there's a great cloud of witnesses that's cheering us on in heaven. And they're saying, don't quit, Paul. Don't quit, Daniel. Don't quit, Amy. Don't quit, Jeremy. Don't quit, Ashley. Don't give up, Sam. Don't give up, Daniel. Don't give up, Derek. Don't you give up. Don't you give up, Brandon. Don't you give up. Don't give up praying. Don't give up sowing. Don't give up believing. Don't give up worshiping. Don't give up loving. Don't give up showing up. And if you'll choose not to give up, I promise you, you can go further than you realize. You can do this. You can get through this, not in your own strength, but through the strength of the Father. I want to show you one last clip, and it's from a different moment. You know, that was the end of that message from my father, but I want to show you a clip that I oftentimes will go back to of a race that happened many years ago, and this young man was in the race for his life. He had trained, prepared for this Olympic race. And I want you to see what happens in the middle of the race and how he chooses not to give up. Check this out. Steve Lewis in lane three. Roberto Hernandez out quickly in four. Now down the back stretch. Ismael on the left of the screen is running very, very quickly. And inside of Lewis, Sunday Bada, Nigeria. And Derek Redman of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redmond is out. Derek Redmond, the British record holder, an important member of that British 4 by 400 meter relay team, as he doesn't want anybody to help him. It'll be Lewis to win in 44.50. Look at this. He's going to try to finish his semifinal race. Don't give up. The British have a certain tradition of running 
which you have to respect. A bizarre finish to this first semifinal in the men's 400 meters. Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch. He's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lead. And now the pain too much. swelling throughout Olympic Stadium as Redman, with assistance this time, approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. You know, I think about how in this moment, this young man made a decision, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. Even though I'm hurting, even though I'm injured, I'm choosing to finish. And when he chose to get up and he chose to finish, his father came beside him. Can I tell you, there's a father in heaven who's coming alongside you. There's a father in heaven who's lifting you in the midst of your own injuries, the midst of your own pain, your hopelessness, your hurts, whatever it is. Just like you saw in the football movie, the young man choosing to get up, choosing to keep going, even when he wanted to quit. Just like this guy choosing to keep running, we have a race to run. We have a fight to fight. We have a life to live. And the thing that God's spoken to you, the thing God's called you to do hasn't changed. The virus has not changed your calling. The virus has not changed your mission. The virus has not closed down God's calling on your life, God's love for your life. God is for you. God is with you. God is on your side. Now, I want to ask you all across the world, those of you that are watching, those of you that are in this room, our staff, wherever you're watching from, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're here right now watching online and you're not right with God and you need strength, you need to surrender. You need to say, Lord, I'm coming to my end and I'm coming to you. And I'm choosing not to keep fighting this in my own strength. I'm choosing to surrender to you. If you need to surrender to Jesus right now, I want you to just click the hand right there on the computer screen. If you need God's help right now in your life, and you've been trying to fight it in your own battle, your own strength, if you need prayer, I want you to just click the hand right there. If you're watching on YouTube, watching on Facebook, watching on Instagram, just say, that's me. I need prayer. I'm choosing not to quit. I'm choosing not to give up. I'm choosing to, to stand and to surrender to God. If you raised your hand, I want you to just say this with me. And worship man, I want you to come out as we go into this song. I want you to say, Jesus, I surrender. I need you. I'm all yours. I'm choosing not to give up. I'm choosing not to quit because you didn't quit on me. You went to the cross for me. You paid the price for me. You didn't give up, God. So I'm not giving up. I'm choosing to trust in you. I'm choosing to look to you. And I'm finding my strength in you. And God, I thank you right now for power to rise up, to not give up, and to finish the race 
you've called me to run. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship God right there in your house. Don't change the channel. Don't turn it off. We're going to go into communion right out of this song. Let's worship. Let's sing it to the Lord. Not for a minute.